heart of repentance, though, doesn't it? And my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, right? And turn from their wicked ways, right? And he will, he will send the rain, won't he? He will.
do trust you. Fourteen, fifteen years old, I, I just come to the Lord, and I remember uh, an evangelist came to our church. We had him very often. It seemed like we had a revival every week, but uh, he came and he preached a message on the one thing God cannot do and fail. I remember that. I was young, and I, I thought about that, and I, I think sometimes we go through life and we face failure, we face tragedy and hurt, pain. Uh, but God is a God who is not a failure, and He doesn't. He He loves us, and He comes to us. And uh, you know, thank you for voice and all doing what you did today. Thank you. I appreciate it because I know it's hard. Thank you. She had a voice thing this week, and she just was a soldier and showed up today. And I'm I'm thankful. Um, I'm going to do a series. I'm going to come down for a minute. I'm going to do a series in the next several months on the Sermon on the Mount. So what happens is John the Baptist comes on the scene. And he is not dressed like your normal preacher. So he's got cloth on and a wild man preaching that the kingdom of God is coming. Repent. Talked about that today, didn't we, Lisa? Said that in her, I just, you know, every time I speak, it seems like you guys get in my notes and get in my head and you kind of know what I'm going to say. The Sunday school teacher and Lisa and you just kind of, everything you say kind of coincides. I think our Sunday school teacher said that this morning that it's, uh, you know, it's amazing how God's people get on the same page. Um, when I was preparing for this series and I'm not near done because I've got to get on my knees a lot during this series. Because this is tough on a preacher. Because you have to live what you preach. Uh, So these, I'm going to go over the first three Beatitudes this morning. Because John the Baptist comes on the scene, baptizes Jesus. Jesus goes into the wilderness, is tempted, and then comes back. His first miracle is at Canaan and Galilee at the wedding. And then early on in his ministry, you can put up uh, Mark uh, excuse me, that would be a trick, wouldn't it, Matthew 3? Uh, if you're going to put up a scripture, tell the guy what you're going to really be nice to him. Um, so Jesus, early on in his ministry, you'll see Luke calls it the Sermon on the Plains. Uh, Matthew calls it the Sermon on the Mount. I looked up and I thought, what is the difference between a mountain and a hill? And it used to be in the UK and here that a Mountain is a thousand feet and over. They don't make those uh, distinctions anymore. So Jesus evidently, he didn't know it, but he must have been a thousand feet. So Jesus is taking his disciples because the main teaching here again, remember the 80-20. Jesus spends 80% of his time with 12 men because he knows the shoulders of Christianity will rest on those men. 
So Jesus takes this. This is probably, if Jesus had a manifesto, this would be it. This is, to me, I love John 14, 15, 16, and 17. I love that when Jesus talks and the vine and the branches. But to me, this is my favorite part of the New Testament. I love this teaching of Jesus. It tells us what this new thing that John said, the kingdom is coming. Now the king's here to talk about the kingdom. Father, in your name today, I pray over the next several months, you convict, you shape, you mold. I know I'm talking to believers. Many of them have been around. They have known you longer than I have. But I pray you'll shape us and mold us to a church that would love people, to a church that would be kingdom, to a church that many new people are going to come and we can disciple them and show them the path of God like these people have learned and I have learned for years Thank you for our church. Thank you, Lord. Wendy and I talked about this morning coming up. Thank you, God, that it's solid, that it's healthy, that there's, there, there's godly, good, solid people here. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't make me change that prayer, y'all. Okay, good. Um, so Jesus is, Jesus is teaching, and I want to start in... Verse 1. Oh, I can read it up here, can I? Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, a thousand feet, no, I'm just kidding, and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, used interchangeably. I know people want to make a big thing of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Usually they're used interchangeably in Matthew 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I'm going to take these three statements as the foundation for the Sermon on the Mount. I'll skip around a little in the attitudes. Next week, I'm going to talk about being pure in heart. For those of you that want it, you know, you get anal retentive and think we got to go down the line. I'll come back to everything. But this week, I want to take these first three. We live in a world uh, that we were talking about it in Sunday school. We live in a world that is not Christian. Now, I know we want to say we have a Christian nation in America. I would say we're moving more towards a pagan nation that doesn't believe God. I, I, I'm not here to argue with you about that. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying what I see, what I read, how I'm out. Because I don't stay in my house all day and study, then come to church on Sunday night, then stay in my house and study. I'm out. I'll talk about being out and what happened to me a few weeks ago. But I believe Jesus says these things to break the back of culture. He's saying, this is your culture, and this is the culture of the kingdom. There's a disparity here. So... You know what? I'm going to call this message backbreakers. You know what backbreaker is? So I, I see this. Uh, we go over to visit a friend, and my daughter and her husband are moving into this apartment. And they're, the girl that is leaving the apartment said, this is a great apartment. You'll love it. It's large. So, And uh, the girl that owns it, known their family for years, she's Brazilian. And if you've ever met a Brazilian, they are Brazilian and loud. So, hey, Bill, you know, I had Patty, how are you? So she's really loud. She said, she starts, I've got this car in the garage and I can't do anything with it. And I've got them coming today. And it's just, 
I love, I love Latin people because they are so, they get passionate about ice cream or peanut butter. They're always passionate. So, you know, so she's just going at it. And I said, what's this car here? And it was a convertible. Winnie wanted a convertible because she sold her convertible uh, so our son could buy a car. And there's a word for that. Wendy is bitter. No, I'm just kidding. No, but so uh, she wants a convertible. So I said, hey, we can take this one and fix it up. That was a mistake. But anyway, so I said, I'll buy it for $300. She said, sold. So I took it down to my mechanic in the big metropolitan area of Lane, Kansas, down past Paola. And Dave started working on it. And rebuilt transmission, new lights, new top, buff it out, looking good. Wendy's got the top down and she's rolling. So uh, I put about 1800 in the car, which is really, I got to, I thought, I'm getting away. So about a year and a half later, she calls me. She says, the car stopped. I went, oh, no. I said, will it go into gear? She said, no. And I knew immediately, new transmission. So I thought, now, to me, you might have all that money in the bank. If you do, I'm ready. But for us, that's a backbreaker financially. So the Chiefs are playing a few weeks ago. And uh, they're behind. And we've got this great kid called Mahomes and he can pull magic out of a hat so he throws a pass 35 yards Travis Kelsey receives the pass he takes it he sees he's going to be tackled he throws back to the receiver Tony Tony takes the end zone and the Chiefs have miraculously won oh wait a minute there's something yellow on the field it's called a flag and that is called back and momentum dies that's called a backbreaker Jesus did that to the culture of the time. He said, I know you live this way. This is the way the kingdom is supposed to be. So we live in a world more and more says that God doesn't have the answers. I'll make my own. I'll create my own reality. See, Adam had that idea in the garden a little bit. I got a good idea. I'm going to eat from every tree and I'm going to go to that tree. God said not to go to bad idea. Ideas have consequences the consequences was that adam and eve spiritually die physically die eventually and they're let out of the garden when adam was disobedient in the garden of eden what's the first question god asked where are you now i'm telling you god knew where he was he's not asking for location he's asking heart where are you i believe it's the question that we need to ask today to society where are you where are you see when you lay down at night and I've talked to a lot of men on their deathbed not one or two a lot of women and we talk about death and pray with them and many of them would accept Christ Uh, but when people lay down on their bed at night I mean I you know some people wonder why am I here well, I wake up in the morning. There's people that have a fear of that. Um, does God really care? Is there a God? Uh, sometimes I think about I should have eaten more because I'm hungry. But I'm just saying, you know, I, I think we have, those, we have those incredible questions that come to us at night. And uh, I'm just being honest. I believe if America lived by the Sermon on the Mount, we would not only be the greatest nation on earth, we would, it would be incredible. Yeah. 
problem solved, government problem solved, people problem solved, violent problem solved. I believe this, these three chapters are the answer America needs. I don't know if they'll listen, but I'll tell you what I hope you do today. Jesus calls his disciples and teaches them the basics. These first three Beatitudes are a different philosophy. The first one he says, would you put that up five? Would you put the first one up? Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is the foundation for the Sermon on the Mount. Poor doesn't mean, now we talk about poverty. Of course, we know Jesus never turns a beggar away. He reveals himself to those that are childlike. I'm going to tell you what. You can't make God reveal himself to you. God reveals himself to those that are childlike. And what he's saying here, God is saying God reveals himself to those that are childlike. And God surrenders to those that will put him in authority. That's the challenge we have today. The garden issue is still the issue today that Adam and Eve went away from the source. They did not trust God. God was their source. I'm going to go to the source I like. And that's the major thing. We're not dependent on God. If our nation was poor in spirit and dependent on God, it would be a revival like you've never seen. People would be surrendering to God. But what we say is, I want it my way. I don't want it God's way. And that is problem. Because Jesus said here, if you'll come to me as a beggar, I'll come to you. But we do not like bowing down and saying, God, you are Lord, because we have freedom. I'll tell you something about freedom. I've never seen freedom that didn't cost. And our freedom cost Jesus his life. He laid down his life for our spiritual freedom. So when it talks about poor in spirit, I alluded to that a few weeks ago. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. He's talking about being a beggar before God and humbling ourselves. Yours is the kingdom of God. If you, if you don't come in proud, if you don't come in arrogant, but you come in saying, Lord, I need you. Our nation is just the opposite. I don't need God. I don't need anything. No one's going to tell me what to do. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to break on the scene with this new culture and say, depend on me. And the kingdom is yours. Secondly, he says this. Now, these are foundational things to the whole Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. It was the first week of my internship. All pastors, uh, ministers who were training needed to go through an internship program. I went back to my home church for the summer. Pastor asked me to come. I was, I was pleased to serve my home church. First day of the internship. I'm on the way to church to go to the office. And he says, you need to meet me at the hospital. Why? Just meet me at the hospital. I walk in. It's a small hospital in Martins Ferry, Ohio. It's a small hospital. And uh, I walk in and, and Dee's family's there. All the Smiths are there. What's going on? And his mom just can't even talk. And his brother, Drew, came over to me and said, Dee was in an accident. A car hit him on his motorcycle. I went, what? Dee, Dee, all, we had a bunch of boys in the church that were called in the ministry at the same time. We were all training Mike Smith, who's recently passed, and Tom Mosey. And we had a bunch of guys that all are young guys. We had a bunch of kids called in the ministry in our church. And we went to different places to train. And Dee was getting ready to go to college. I had already come back from my this was between my junior and senior year. D was a senior getting ready to go to college. And uh, he pulled out and a, and a car hit him and it, and it, it, it broke his neck. And uh, I remember. 
and I could see through the curtain, they kept hitting him. If you've ever been there when somebody's hit and that body bounces, it is a fearful thing when they don't come back. They can't come back. And I remember specifically the wail of his mother. It was a scream when they pronounced him dead and they came out and shook their head. I will never forget the mourning. I just, I never forgot that scream. I don't forget it to this day because I love Dee. Dee was one of my best friends. I love him. It's hard to tell the story even without tearing up because I loved him so much. And you know what? He probably deserved to live more than any of us. did. He was the most pure in heart of all of us, guys. He's a great kid. Great kid. But Jesus isn't talking about that mourning. Jesus is talking about having mourning over your sin. Jesus is talking about what you said. Repent. Jesus is blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7.10, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. I'm not, Jesus is not talking about remorse over death. He's talking about blessed are they that mourn, blessed are they that mourn over their sin. We use, I used to have to do, uh, I, I've told several of you this, I used to be on a disciplinary committee and if you were a pastor and you had a moral failure, you had a financial failure, you had something go wrong, and you were reported, we would have to examine those reports and then bring that minister in and talk about it. It is a terrible thing. Anyway, I was one of the three or four men on that committee. And I remember one time a guy came in, and he had a report that he had committed adultery as a pastor in a church. And... He did not know, but we knew there were six other women that also reported. So it wasn't a one-time deal. So he came in, and we started talking to that man. And he's saying, well, you know, guys, I, I, usually disciplinary action this way. If you're, you're under discipline, you want to remain in the ministry, usually one year under a lead pastor, and then the next year you can preach, and maybe you can restore after starting the third year. That's kind of, I know it's not perfect, but that's what we did. So we were open, to, but he didn't know what we knew. And let me say this, God knows it all. God knows it all. You don't go away from God's scene. So we start talking to the man, and he said, you know, guys, this is just a one-time deal. And, you know, I, he wasn't really remorseful, which got me really ticked. I don't get angry at a lot, George, but I'm telling you, I was thinking, your ministry's on the line. You've lied to your church. You've destroyed many people in that church that trusted leadership. So I don't get, I'll talk about it. You probably think I'm an angry guy after the next story I'm going to tell. But I, I just was shocked. And he said, I said, and I spoke up and I said, are you saying this is a one-time deal? He said, yeah. And I said, do you want me to read you the six other reports of women in the church and outside the church that have reported you? And he said, immediately, this is what he said. My wife just didn't love me enough. 
I, it took, I wanted to be the avenging angel of God, but needless to say, he's not in the ministry today, thank God. But I'm saying this, we have a world that says, I'm not going to be in remorse. We have a world that says, I'm not going to be sorry. We have a world that says, I'm going to get a better lawyer. I know how I'll beat this. I think Jesus is saying, if you truly mourn over your sin, if you truly repent, I'll come and I'll comfort you. True comfort is found in true repentance. Amen? These are foundational things to this, the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about humbleness. He talks about lack of arrogance in mourning. And then the third one, he says this. He says, he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I know we talk about meekness and weakness, and men don't like to become meek. But what Jesus is really saying, he's saying cease from anger, like it says in Psalm 37, 8, and turn from wrath. Jesus is talking about kindness instead of rage. I talked about this Wednesday night. Our city, Kansas City, Missouri, broke the homicide record this year at 181. We got an angry city. People don't answer it by going to court or talking it out. They answer it by, by we, you know, we have shirts in West Virginia and they have a two on them. Because we're just real believers in the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. But you have to understand that this is not the answer. I speak to young men and women all the time in the urban core and they're angry and they're angry at life and they're angry at their mom and they're angry at no money. And God is saying, I can, I can give you an answer and the answer isn't violence. The answer is a spirit of kindness. I don't know if you ever read Galatians 5, but that's one of the fruits of the spirit. Having a spirit of kindness. The Bible says those that humble themselves before the Lord God will lift them up. You can see that in Hannah in the Bible. Hannah wanted a child so desperately, and she goes and prays. God doesn't only give her a child. He gives her, he gives her a world changer. He gives her Samuel, the priest and the prophet. He gives her one of the great men of God in the Bible. It's amazing what God does when we truly are meek and kind. I, uh, the Bible says in Psalm 51, he says, I... I I was wrong there. I'm talking about David, and David says, this is not the passage. I'm sorry. He talks about a broken and contrite heart before God that God will honor. God honors that sacrifice. God only uses broken people. I, uh, I was driving my car uh, in our neighborhood, and the speed limit is 25. Yeah, I know. I, I've got to watch it. So uh, Wendy says, slow down all the time. So there was a day I was going through, and I, I was watching my speed that day. Lo and behold. And I go around a car, and I'm, I look down, and he's parked sideways, and I don't know what he's doing. He might have been confused about where he was. So I go around him and pull up to my driveway, and I pull up, and this guy pulls up behind me and gets out and says, you better listen to me. He was ready to beat me down in my front yard. I'm going, what? He said, he used choice words that we will not use in the house of God. But he was, and I just, I walked up and, on, you know, we have a little hill in our house and I walked up and I went, he was taking videos of me. I'm reporting you to the police. I said, for going 27? 
And so he was angry. I went in home, listen to me very carefully. I went home and I stewed about that for a while. I was angry. I'm a man. Don't challenge me. Went in the house and I went around the neighborhood and found out where his car was parked by his house. And I was going to go up and have a pleasant talk with him. And right there I thought, is this how God wants me to act? Is this, I really did. I thought, is this a spirit of kindness? I haven't seen him since. I drove away, went back home and said, God, forgive me for even thinking about having a spirit of anger. Because in a world that's angry, God help us to show kindness. God help us to be repentant. God help us to move towards these things. You see, a world that says, I'm going to be arrogant. I am not going to honor God. I'm going to do what I want to do. Jesus said, you need to be poor in spirit. In a world that says, I will not, I will not be sorry for what I've done. Christ says, mourn and you'll be comforted. In a world where anger rages, we have, I don't know, we probably have the angriest nation we've ever had today. Do you know that? This is the angriest. Now, I know I've seen, you know, I was, I was around in the 60s. I saw the civil rights and all the angry for Vietnam. But I'm telling you, as far as homicide, we are an angry, angry nation. It's not just angry as far as violence. It's angry political. No one can say anything unless you're wrong. We have all these sides. And I'm saying, God, help the church to not have a spirit of weakness, but to have a spirit of kindness and speak God's words. Speech seasoned with salt. Tell you what, in a selfie world, we need dependent on God. In a world that never says, I'm sorry, we need to be remorseful. In a world that's angry and vengeful, we need to be kind and show grace. I, uh, I was doing a series of meetings in a small Kansas town. Did you ever hear of Fredonia? I was in Fredonia, Kansas. And it was about, we had done, this sounds long and it is long. We'd done a 17-week meeting, Monday through Friday and Saturday for 17 weeks. I will tell you this much. That's a long time. So, And you better not preach the same message because they're going to know. Uh, so I'm preaching one night about the 11th week. And uh, a man's in the back. And I get this God moment, which this one I did not like. And I knew in my heart that I needed to go talk to the man. And I just had, it was just, it was, don't do this unless you're absolutely, a dove has landed on your shoulder. So the Lord asked me to go back and tell that guy he was in adultery. And I'm going, no, no, you can, you can reveal that to him. He, oh, I already know. I want you to tell him. No, no, I don't think so. I think there's another person here that you might reveal that to. You ever do that? God, there's so, tap someone else on the shoulder for that assignment. So I went back, Tommy, and I talked to him. And I said, I said, I, I don't know how to say this, but you need to get out the adultery affair you're in. And he was so compliant. He said words to me. He almost outcussed the guy in front of my house. But he was mad. He said, I'll dare you. He storms out the door. And I'm going, that went well, God, thanks. That was, that was a receptive heart. Thank you so much, Father. 
That was a Thursday. We did not have revival on Saturday. Sunday night, I'm through speaking, done with the altar service. People have responded. I'm getting ready to walk out. He's sitting in the back. I thought, oh, no, I'm going to be shot in church. Uh, So I go back, and he says, can I talk to you a minute? I said, all night I'm here. He said, "Uh, you were right. I said, no, 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 I wasn't right. God was right. Please don't. I'm nothing. I just, that's pure God. And he said, "Uh, I want you to know. I talked to my wife, and I said, I'm going to give you two suggestions. Number one, go outside of town for counseling. Little towns spread news real fast. And I said, I'm going to tell you the second thing. She knew a long time ago. Because I've got great news for men in this church. Women know, and I will give, you can save yourself reading the love language book. The love language is listen. There's your marital counseling for the day. Listen to your wife. Amen. Uh, So we talked through it. We prayed. Him and his wife got together. It's an amazing thing. But that's what we do many times when we're confronted by God. We run or we try to hide it. I want to say this to you. There might, you might have served God for 50 years, 60 years, and there might be blatant sin that you're hiding God says, repent, and I'll comfort you, and we'll move on together. God is a God that loves, but God is a God that says, love me and obey me. It's always that fine line. We got our kids, and we want them to have fun, but, you know, you, if you jumped off the roof, it might break your leg. You know, it's, we do things, and God tries to balance that out. God knows unresolved sin. God knows unbridled anger. God knows the spirit of pride. I, I want to tell you this, love you, want God's best for you, but I want to say something I haven't said. If you want to pray, these altars are open. Do you understand that? You can come down anytime and spend time in prayer. We'll quiet or talk back there a little bit. It's not, it's not big. We want you to know, everyone here and every visitor and everyone who comes in, if you want to come down and bear your burden to God, that's the place to do it. And we will pray with you. We will be here with you. We will be with you till the end. Because when I, now, that is unheard of. When you go to church, next service, next service, and people don't take time to unburden. I think church is a great place to come to the altar and pray and get before God. I do. I still do. So let that be known here that I haven't said that. But among us faithful We have an altar, and if you want to come pray anytime, you can unburden yourself after service, and we will pray with you. We will be with you, because as we talk about these things, Sermon on the Mount, I'll tell you what, I was convicted because there's many times I've dealt with the spirit of anger in my life. It's almost cost me, and God has to continue to say to me, let a spirit of kindness flow through you. Let's pray. I remember, I remember the look in that guy's eyes when he was not remorseful, Lord. And he said, my wife just didn't love me enough. I I don't want us to go through that today, God. 
I want our church to be, have a repentant heart. To be quick to turn around and say, God, I'm, I'm wrong and I, I want to I make it right with you. I don't want us to be proud, God. Have us be humble. As you bring us new people, as this church grows, let us be humble and be grateful for what you're doing in our midst. But today, God, if, we, uh, if we're harboring something in our heart that isn't near you, um, we, today we ask you for your forgiveness. Pray with me. Say, Dear Father, Dear Father I, give you my heart. I give you my heart. I'm sorry for my sin. Let me walk with you. Cleanse me, Jesus. Let me be yours and only yours. When I leave these doors, let me represent you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is a good day. It's God's day. It is a day that We need to just go home and enjoy yourself and enjoy the love of God today. Sometimes Sundays get busy. You know, I do this on Sunday and I'll go home and do some other things. But we'll talk about that in a few weeks. Take some rest, guys. We've got work ahead of us and God knows that. Love you all. You are dismissed. In Jesus' name, have a wonderful Sunday. Amen? Yes. Thank <laughs> you.